0: Oh, and welcome to the Anniversary Brothers podcast, where we talk about the anniversaries of your favorite TV shows and movies. I am your host, Aaron Sarnecki, and joining me as always is my brother, Josh Sarnecki. Hey, That's Josh. That's me. Yeah, for some reason, I was thinking of uh, Ask Ashley. That's me. Yeah,
1: maybe we should have referenced that with our,
0: our last podcast.
1: I know, guest. Josh.
0: You're getting these all mixed up. But Sorry. I mean, I, I think it's okay because... Actually, we have a special guest today, and um, it is our guest from last time, uh, um, Allison Lips, the Digital Trends Editor for The Pop Break. Hey, Allison. Hi, Aaron. Ooh,
1: yeah. And Josh.
0: Right. (laughs) Thank you for joining us again. Yeah, it's always uh, a treat to have a guest. Uh, We most recently, I believe, had uh, Alice Martin alex marcus the uh the podcast editor when we talked about arrow which i don't know if the show if you watch it all but it's about a guy who shoots people with bow, uh with a bow and arrow <laughs> mm-hmm. what oh we are watching totally different shows
1: i don't remember that at all
2: mm-hmm. Sorry. It's FX not... animated
1: no 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 that's archer
2: oh wait, archer.
0: what did you say oh, arrow. Like arrow oh i was thinking archer uh, but but hey, that's that kind of makes sense. <laughs> Archer arrow. Archer arrow. Aaron, you know it's all. Yeah. The same. Uh, but we're not talking about any of those this time. We're we kind of broke new ground the last time we talked in that we talked about a whole programming block, and this time we're talking about a whole channel and kind of even more than just a whole channel, more like a family of channels not definitely not the family channel <laughs> though they do have a family channel and um a streaming service too we are talking about the 50th anniversary of home box office better known as hbo which um debuted in uh november uh 1972 um which i remember when it first debuted you know i'm only a couple decades Removed from it.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I don't think any of us were around for this.
2: <laughs> I have spoken to someone who remembered when HBO first came out. And we're used to HBO broadcasting 24-7. And when it first came out, it was the first premium cable channel. And it used to be they would show two movies at night. But during the day, if you turned on HBO, you would see a screen that was telling you what they were playing that night. So you knew to turn in at seven, eight o'clock and you would watch whatever movie was playing. And it would be like Woody Allen movies. They weren't (laughs) current movies at the time. Like when we were growing up in the 90s, HBO would have movies that were in the theater that left theaters four months ago because they were the first ones to get it. Whereas then it's like the movie came out five years ago. You're paying to watch it at home now.
0: Yeah. It actually sounds like much more of a deal. like, I mean, especially with this, the early seventies, like there was no home video in the early seventies, not really. No. Um, and so even you only had two movies you got to watch them and they would have been unedited, which I mean, in the early 70s, as we'll talk about, like, sem- the, I mean, the censorship was pretty rampant. I mean, there was not you had to keep it pretty clean um, as far as uh, like the 90s goes like even like four months. I mean, I feel like people now were, we're used to like movies coming to on demand within like it's like 45 days it's it's so mm-hmm. different now but like i think we all remember back in the day not to, to sound old but like when it, it took like six to seven months for a movie to come onto video so like for be able to watch a movie on tv four months after it came out like that's that's a good deal
2: well not that it came out after it left the theaters coming out would be day one I mean, Uh, now you you get it four months after day one. I saw Bros on Peacock, and I'm like, "Wasn't it just in theaters?"
0: Yeah, but but you still, yeah, like not far after. I mean, and and especially for people who are, I mean, yes, you have to pay for HBO, but like if you don't want to want to buy an extensive VHS collection, which some people still have, you know, HBO is a good alternative.
1: VHS, the only way to watch movies
0: right oh yes um so yeah i mean like we said it started in the early 70s um and yeah other than having those movies i i think early on they had boxing was probably their biggest draw pay-per-view um maybe i i i read that um the
2: thriller and manila
0: yeah yeah with uh muhammad ali um and then uh i read that they had wimbledon for however long uh because like when arthur Ashe won wimbledon for the first time like that was a huge deal and they were the ones who showed it um but then uh later on like they they're like you know what? we want to actually make original programming so uh one of the things that we were going to talk about today is uh they teamed up with george carlin and i i Was this a whole series? Did they do a whole bunch of different George Carlin On Locations?
2: On Location is a series. It is not just George Carlin. There are 12 or 13 George Carlin HBO specials. Mm -hmm. So you can argue that that is sort of its own series, but On Location was not a George
0: Carlin. Oh, so thing. they did him and other comics.
2: Yes. It's kind of like how George Carlin hosted the very first episode of Saturday Night Live. That yeah. doesn't mean SNL was his
0: thing. Right. Yeah. And I mean, those were only a few years apart. Uh that was in 1975. This was in 1977,
1: so yes. Um I'm learning things I didn't know he hosted.
0: Yeah, SNL- yeah, I could have told you that, Josh, and I'm sure if you asked our our parents uh, they would know that. But um, save that away for when
1: I go on Jeopardy. I'm
0: yeah, when you go on Jeopardy. Um, but as I was telling Allison before we got on the uh, the the podcast, I had never watched a full George Carlin special. So I had uh, I had seen some of his later stuff, which people always talk about. Like, man, when he got older, he got angry. He was just like sort yes. of like the. Old curmudgeon, just like you know, humanity is doomed and stuff like that. But um, so I was a little you know hesitant. I was like, okay, I don't know what I'm in for. I've I've I watched like one thing from him back in like the 60s when he was on like the, the Tonight Show, which was like much more in the vein of this. But um, yeah, this ended up being more like what I would expect a comedy show in the 70s to be, you know he does he pushes the envelope but like it's something from 45 years ago so it's not as maybe uh he doesn't go as many places as i would think um comics do now uh
2: he was also a lot more clever with wordplay than comics are today so uh-huh. today a lot of comics will just immediately go towards sex. Yeah. yeah. Whereas here one of the lines in the um, special is you can prick your finger, but you can't say you finger your prick on TV.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. There's a whole bit on this special that we all watched about like language in general, which I thought was very interesting because I, I think that is i mean that's really a comedian's trade um and he really lead into it which was it was funny as he was talking about it i kept thinking of like i don't know, like some of like the more like academic writings like george orwell's like literature on like language it's like oh yeah uh-huh. or noam chomsky it's like okay right.
0: well there are yes. some people i mean they might think a little too much of george carlin think of him as like A modern day philosopher i think that's maybe a little giving him a little too much credit but
2: i'd say so yes (laughs) especially when you go back to his pre-long hair growing it out um routines he had a comedy duo with jack burns that was very 1960s Comedy, clean cut, not doing anything edgy. When they broke up, George Carlin continued in that vein. There was the hippy-dippy weatherman in his early stages, but there was also things like Wonderful Wino, which was a radio station. And he would go on NBC shows and the other major networks And that would be what he did. And if you watch George Carlin's American Dream, the documentary on HBO, it talks about how George Carlin was losing relevance since the 60s style comedy wasn't as popular in the 70s in a time when Lenny Lenny Bruce was one of the most popular comedians. and. George Carlin took that and incorporated it into his own style. And he was actually there the day Lenny Bruce got arrested. He was at that show. So George Carlin saw Lenny Bruce as the path forward to continue his career.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that that's just really, so, there are some artists who will just not change and, I don't know. I mean, sometimes you'd be like, you want to stay true to who you are, but it kind of feels like from what these impression is, that wasn't really necessarily who George Carlin was. George Carlin evolved. And I think um, a lot of artists do that. Um, Now now I want to talk about the beginning of this, this special, Mm -hmm. which uh, Josh, you were probably taken off guard by the, 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 was she's like the head of programming for hbo explaining that there are going to be some adult words in this program (laughs) yeah
1: that for me was what felt like a a time capsule this idea that we have to come in ahead of time and let you know there's going to be some suggest- some suggestive language don't be afraid if you don't like it that's okay you don't have to watch but those of you who do you you know it's okay you can watch this well, like- what
0: really freaked me out is when they did it right before his last segment they just have the the text on the screen that says like the next segment contains offensive language you could turn it off if you want to. <laughs> yeah.
2: My favorite part about that is we're pretending he didn't just swear a million times in the first hour.
0: Yeah, right? I know. And yeah. now
2: you're warning me; he's gonna continue with that language.
1: that's yeah, just just because now it's the official segment on swearing. That's yes. that's what. No, I no, but going back to what you said earlier, Aaron a lot of what he said in this special, in this, in his routine is, is not particularly like that's startling for audiences now. Like it's fairly like, okay, we, we hear this kind of language all the time, but I think that's what makes this such a kind of like a strange historical document of like, wow, like not only has comedy come so far, but the idea that, hbo at that time had to give such a warning and now you turn on hbo any single day and you know it, you yeah. know the the entire dictionary is open to them they are they're going <laughs> for it.
2: right and if you're not seeing tna you want your money back
1: <laughs> right so like to go from this beginning you know five years after their initial conception where like we have to Apologetically remind you that you don't have to watch this. To mm-hmm. well, uh, okay, I guess we're not going to have any sex mm-hmm. position in this episode of Game of Thrones. Uh, well, too bad. Like, mm-hmm. it just, it's just such a strange mm-hmm. culture shift that I think shows how much like the TV landscape has changed, but especially like, HBO individually,
0: mm-hmm. right? And I also, um, just thinking about the context of him coming to USC, I can only imagine how excited all those students were to see him yeah
2: oh yes and i think it says a lot for george carlin with the exception of the content warnings and the fashions. <laughs> it holds up
0: yeah there's nothing
2: about that where if someone went out and did that routine today you'd say oh it's dated
0: mm-hmm. right yeah i mean he 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 talks about I mean it's just a lot of clever wordplay with uh one of I think my favorite segments that he did was just the the news segment where he just mm. gets out his notebook mm-hmm. and it's just a bunch of puns, which should be just kind of hokey. But his his delivery is just so great. And I feel like what's really great about having a comedy special, you you in one way you'd be like, Oh, that somehow takes away from the experience. You're not actually there at the comedy club, but in this You get to see his face up close and his face is so expressive. If you're in the audience, especially in the back, you can't see that.
2: No. And when he mentions Danny Kaye is one of his influences, if you know anything about Danny Kaye, it's very clear.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: With the facial expressions.
0: Yeah. and, and, And so not even just HBO, but just like, basically all of comedy central can probably like be traced back to this one special
1: oh yeah it, it was really funny like knowing he was there at usc because i just remember like my own like freshman year at the university of delaware when um daniel tosh came and i was like wow like that idea of like a comedian coming to a university campus like i guess that really traces roots back to like george carlin if not earlier so I'm not sure to say that
2: it's earlier. I,
1: I'm sure too. Not to say that Daniel Tosh is on the same oh, right. <laughs> plane as George Carlin. I don't think that's true. Um, I saw Dimitri Martin. So okay. okay, okay. But uh, no it's it it shows that you know HBO was willing to take risks, even if they were a little, I don't know, right, hesitant, cautious. Right.
0: Right. With it. But yeah, like I'm not about to go out and I'm like, oh, I gotta buy all these old George Collin uh albums on vinyl or something like that. But like, I mean it was there were definitely bits. I as it went on, I was like, this is pretty funny. When he talks about like and things that you still relate to is like he's talking about the it's like, Hey, dog, look at that dog on the TV.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. No. Or the Flintstones vitamins.
0: Or the Flintstones vitamins, yeah. yeah just there's there there I feel like there is there's something for everybody um and I bet it, it has me a little more curious um I'm not as um familiar with the world of stand up I mean all, there's you know decades and decades between um George Carlin and you know Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy and so many other greats um but I mean, this is just kind of like the beginning of. It was the beginning of like original program for HBO, and, and then, the
2: stand-up special.
0: Uh uh Yeah. Yeah.
2: Because they weren't going to put an hour of stand-up comedy on the ABC primetime schedule in right. 1974 or mm-hmm. 77.
0: Right. No. But uh, as we get later on, we talked a, a little bit. Um, uh, so. It seems like um, I, I, I was like reading uh, what like their first original like drama was, which like they did. like <laughs> It was like a Raymond Chandler like adaptation, yeah. of, like with like Powers Booth as like Philip Marlowe or something like that. Um, I know later they I think they were. Less hesitant to get in the comedy first because I know we were talked about they did uh Gary Shandling in the Larry Sanders Show. I think that was like what, like the early nineties. Yes. Um, but then like, um, from my knowledge is that their first big drama was Oz, the the about the uh, the Oz prison, uh, yes. facility. But like from from what I've read is that while people were like wow this is a show to talk about i think it was kind of viewed as being a little exploitative at the time it's like how much you know violence and graphic you know sexual content can we put on the screen how far can we push the boundary um which
2: there was also the wire at that time right
0: the wire came a little bit uh later but like i think most people would agree and i i of course, I'm making an assumption, but based on things that I've read, that especially when people talk about peak TV or the Platinum Age of TV or the Renaissance, whatever you want to call it, a lot of people, when they point to American television, will point to The Sopranos as the starting point. Um, now, I'll for the full disclosure, I have not watched The Sopranos. I watched The first episode for this uh and uh josh simmer similarly you you have not watched any of this pranas before neither nope. have i yeah neither so um i guess i'll go first because for me i've seen stuff like this before because i occasionally will watch mob movies so for me this was just like an episode just like a tv version of goodfellas which very much i think the show was in the shadow of that movie for a while
2: so and many that- people on the sopranos were on good were in good yeah i mean
0: even you know uh i forget what the the name of that lorraine Bro- brocco or the the therapist <laughs> i'm sorry she she played karen hill in the supreme in uh the, fellow she was nominated for Academy Awards so it's like mm-hmm. and and between the references to that and to uh the Godfather they're like
2: Leaning think, into it yeah there was yeah. like
0: we, we we if we aren't in some way self-aware you know somehow people are going to judge us unfairly and say oh you're just copying that yeah um but but as somebody who watches you know occasionally i I don't watch mob movies all the time but watches mob movies you know see somebody get whacked in you know a butcher's shop is just like yeah that's what happens <laughs> i know for josh it was probably like ready to shut it off it's like i can't handle it let me put on british bake off
1: well let me it. <laughs> like no, nothing's quite as palate cleansing as british bake off um no i mean i i also have some some thoughts uh yes as someone who's not as steeped in like uh, the mob genre, but I'm I'm curious, Allison, to to hear your thoughts because I know you came in saying that you had a a lot of feelings about it.
2: Yes, I am born and raised in New Jersey. My family is from New York. They, my mom, grew up in Brooklyn at a time and in an area where it was mob. Mm. So watching this at first, I'm like, oh, these accents are a bit over the top. We don't really talk like that. And then I went to New York yesterday in the Italian restaurant and I'm like,
0: oh
2: (laughs) yes, apparently they people do. Um watching it initially I was like, oh I know those places. (laughs) Because and I'm like, I know where that sign is. (laughs) (laughs) But as I was watching it I'm just like, I'm not going back and watching more of it mm-hmm. unless I'm like <laughs> given a good reason to. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's because I'm like, yeah, these people exist, but they're like that in Jersey Shore just make New Jersey look <laughs> awful or what it is. I'm sure that might be some of it going on in my head.
1: Yeah. Given the the strong uh, Jersey presence on the site, I feel like this show evokes a lot of feelings for a lot of our different writers and podcasters. Mm -hmm. It
2: also came out when I was eight. (laughs) Mm. So I'm revisiting a specific time when I was growing up rather than Mm -hmm. watching it completely like, Oh this is interesting. I'm learning things.
0: It's, mm-hmm. it's like I also no,
2: this, you, this is the worst of New Jersey.
0: <laughs> you also got AOL and you got mail and <laughs> yeah. big, you know CRT monitors. Yes. No. Yeah.
1: If you want to see the best in New Jersey, go watch Ms. Marvel. That's that's best New Jersey there. Uh, I'm sure there's other things. I've, mm-hmm. I'll, <laughs> right. I'll leave. I'll leave the. Right. the jersey rankings to bill he's right. he's our he's my go-to for for knowledge of that
0: right talking about the the john bon jovi like rest stop or something he yes. about. oh
2: yes there yeah. is a john bon jovi rest
1: stop
0: yeah um yeah I, I as
1: someone who who doesn't necessarily have a a connection to well i guess i have like some connections to jersey but not like strong emotional i did i did get a sense like, huh, I wonder how this plays to people who are born and raised or have more, uh, you know, connection with New Jersey. So I I was curious. Yeah. Like what your thoughts would be about that?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like I can't really, I went to college in New Jersey for four years, but it was South Jersey. And I feel like I can't like, yeah, I, I know what Jersey is like,
2: south jersey and north jersey are two completely different places
0: and then you got bill who says he's he's in central jersey and then everybody was saying central, central jersey central also. central's not a place and <laughs> not that
1: so yes. the 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 Jersey-ness of it was something that got me a, a little bit but the, the the biggest thing was Aaron, as you mentioned like the references like we have to show you like this is like the the modern day equivalent of the godfather like we're going to reference it we are Mm -hmm. going to emulate it we are going to not like copy it but like we want you to see that we're in dialogue with it which i thought was interesting and and worked in a sense because it it kind of showed this idea of how these media uh you know depictions then go back and could influence the people who they're about, uh, which I think is a real world issue. The idea of like people, mm-hmm. you know, in the mob, watch the Godfather and start to emulate the Godfather. And then it kind of just repeats the cycle. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought that was interesting. You would um, also
2: expect these characters to have opinions about those films, unless those films don't exist in their universe.
1: Right. Right. Exactly. Um, so I, I did think that was um Interesting, yeah. I think having it set in you know our mm-hmm. universe, so they could have reference that made sense. Mm-hmm. It did also seem a little bit like, yes, we're living in the shadow of that, and we need to like mm-hmm. prove that we're we're recognizing that first. Right. um That being said, the thing that got me the most about this first episode was there was so much more about ducks than I ever expected. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, I knew that coming in because I had watched a clip of this before, so I knew that this was a duck-heavy episode. I keep coming, it's like, what is with the stupid ducks? Why do they keep coming back to the ducks? Yeah. But they, but I feel like, you know, it sounds ridiculous, and I think this is a show that it is a drama, but it has a sense of comedy to it. Um, I think way- it
2: was an effective tool.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you, you end up the ducks actually makes sense you know the ducks fly away for the winter he's worried about losing his family like he lost the ducks it sounds silly but like yeah. um was it james gandolfini his delivery is just so good in that moment yeah
2: his show made me miss him a lot i didn't yeah. watch anything he was in but everything i've heard about the man was he was nothing like tony soprano and he was an amazing human being
1: no yeah. no, And I mean, this, I mean, I think there's still a, a large contingent of people that, that miss. Out. I mean, now we have recently the uh, Sopranos prequel, right. With his, right by his the son. Sun. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, that shows how, much of an influence he had as as Mm -hmm. well as this this show overall but yeah i don't know the ducks i i don't know maybe as someone who works as a therapist is like you know i wish someone would just gift wrap me a metaphor like that Mm -hmm. you know my job would be a lot easier yeah but
0: i was curious like what was your impression i mean obviously you're not like a you're not a, a psychiatrist but like you you deal with i guess similar stuff like i i read that like somebody gave the show an award for like being realistic about therapy. Like I don't know, did you feel it was especially realistic? Do you think they played it up a little bit? It, semi-realistic. It's it was a very psychoanalytical
1: view of therapy, especially like when he gets into like his dream.
0: Um, yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. I
2: to take yeah. it or leave
0: it. it it very much does feel like it's stuck in that well, i mean not stuck but it's very much rooted in that sort of old school definition of like therapist who's sort of like this um sort of stoic figure who asks you questions and isn't necessarily there to be your buddy but to try to understand you yeah i i could see what they're which doing i for. i can you know some therapists are like that Yes. Keep
2: in mind that she knows he's a mobster. Right. But they can't outright say that. He's in waste
0: management, thank you.
1: I I did like that. I did like the way like speak around it.
2: And I think that could be contributing to some of the stuff where we're like, this is not what therapy's actually about. When it's like, well, they can't outright say he whacked the guy yesterday.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I I mean, I appreciate that she she goes and like explains like, yes, if you are uh, going to, to hurt someone, I have to report that uh, <laughs> she should have said that at the beginning of the appointment not halfway <laughs> through. But, um, uh-huh. you know, we all we all make mistakes. Uh, I will say I did think that part was compelling, though, even if I had some some qualms with it, uh, I was much less compelled by the family drama of the mom and the daughter i was like please i've seen this a thousand times on so many shows i don't need Mm -hmm. to see this again
2: it's been better done in a million sitcoms
1: yeah uh it was just i was just cringing Mm -hmm. and like i i don't care please let me fast forward through this
0: right but uh, apparently this like episode just has like so many things that will be referred to later like so the fact that he talks about Gary Cooper, the strong silent type, uh, that comes up later in other episodes, mm. and I thought it was an interesting scene. I was like, okay, now i got to watch, uh, you know, a Gary Cooper epi- uh movie just to prepare. Because so I watched Pride of the Yankees, uh... <laughs> uh, okay. and um... yeah, I, I I would be interested to to, to go back because. You have to remember that like this show maybe doesn't feel so groundbreaking now because it really was like was at the ground floor. Which it's, it's uh, ironic. Like he talks about like he feels like the previous generation was like I like the ground floor, I guess, of like being in America. But, like in, in this sense, this show is in the ground floor of like HBO dramas. Um
2: and also as we're talking about this i am remembering at that point in time there were kind of gang wars between various factions of mm-hmm. the mob
0: yeah and um i mean honestly there's even i don't want to get too much of it but there's gang stuff in delaware that we don't talk about like there's this whole uh i won't i don't want to be you know liable but there is this influential you know real estate company Run by a family that has potentially mob ties. Josh probably knows what I'm talking about.
1: I have no idea what you're talking about. Now I'll I'm tell intrigued. you about
0: it later. <laughs>
1: okay. Um, but no, oh, I that think...
2: wasn't. Uh, I'm pretending I don't know what you're talking
1: about. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that's just over my head. I don't know. <laughs> I just thought that was like yeah, no but, idea.
0: but 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 like yeah. the idea that you would be able to watch like a show that is like Goodfellas or just like what feels like is movie caliber. Caliber each week was just like such a n- novel concept. Um, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, going back to like how this pertains
1: to, to HBO overall, it is, you know, that idea of, okay, we're going to take film quality stories um, and and the way that you can present them in movies that you can't necessarily get away with on most TV channels And we're going to provide that to you on a premium network. Um, I
2: I read somewhere that David Chase initially conceived of the Sopranos as a
1: movie. Mm. And I think that that fits. I I, I can see
0: that. Mm. Um, I feel like that would be, (laughs) it's funny because I know that this came out, I think the same year or the year after, I think the same year that, analyze this came out which is about yes. another mobster <laughs> billy crystal talking to robert de niro about his problems yes.
1: <laughs> Oh, interesting
0: um but no i i think
1: the idea of like the h was like this home box office i mean i think it it lives up to that and not just we're going to present you actual movies but we're going to present you a show that is you know pretty much you know on par with what you'd expect from a movie um and an R-rated movie at that with like the, in terms of where the like the language goes obviously they like, they didn't have to give any uh you know apologies or warnings mm-hmm. like they did for George Carlin but also when it came to like the you mean, weren't shocked
2: that mobsters swear you
1: know what <laughs> i i was i was aghast you know how could they i mean violence i can understand but language uh but but no, I I did find it really, um, I don't know like a, a good piece for us to bring up though as we kind of like look at the broader history because it shows okay they they didn't have to worry as much about language as they did you know twenty years earlier with George Carlin but twenty years after that you know they're not showing quite as much sex. And violence to the same graphic level as we would then see in Game of Thrones, Westworld.
0: Right, right. Well, you you would have to wait, I think, because I know that Tony he curb stomps at least one person in, in the show. Okay, yeah. yeah. So,
1: but like in, in that case, this is really what I mean you know, granted, was the transition. The pilot like
0: this, is the pilot, and it was shot in 1997. So, Yeah.
1: But but this opened the door.
0: Yeah. To, to that. In
1: a way that's mm-hmm. like George Carlin, opened the door to language, right. and this opened the door to right. sex and violence.
0: Right. I actually read though, in between, I think, the the special and this pilot, um, it's like some people took like HBO to court. I think on like obscenity laws. They were like, you can't put this on TV, and like they won their cases. So like,
2: it's not TV. It's HBO.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: that was their defense attorney. That's that's all they said, yeah. uh, and that's why they lost the case.
0: But I mean, yeah, if we we look at HBO now, I mean, how it's just grown exponentially. Um, I mean, I was writing the sort of the the article for this this podcast. And I guess I want to sell you guys on. I wrote it as the source of the most groundbreaking and talked about TV. Do you think that's still true today? Do you think it's shifted to various sources or one place can't they can't claim it anymore
1: mm. that is a good question i feel like this is where i'd want to like pull alex in from yeah my other alex podcast. Would be... yeah uh he, he wrote or he wrote he read a whole book on hbo recently um wow. so shout out to you it. alex oh yeah okay so
2: it came in the mail like a week ago so i haven't okay. even cracked it open <laughs>
1: That's that's it sounded like it was a bit of a doozy. Um uh,
2: it's like that thick. It's called Tinderbox.
1: Oh. Okay. Yeah, I might I might skip that one. But going back to I mean, what we talk about so often on um the TV break podcast is like the idea of streaming wars and like there is streaming as the new battlefield. Yeah. Um and, and HBO has its foot in that with HBO Max for the for now until it changes. Um, but the idea that HBO is still like the biggest contender, I think is, is valid. Like you, you have Netflix, you have, um, surprisingly Apple TV plus kind of starting to take bigger and bigger chunks of the award talk. Um, but HBO continues to reliably win. I mean, Mm -hmm. how many years did, did, Game of Thrones win? How many years has um, succession now been like nominated if not won uh, uh, White Lotus which just finished its second season like they still are bringing in the heaviest hitters so mm-hmm. I, I think premier TV is, is still predominantly HBO but not solely
0: mm-hmm. right because I, I think oh, go ahead
2: I know Josh is measuring mainly in terms of award buzz and winning awards I would rather look at it from the perspective of what are people talking about? Mm. And when we look at it from that perspective, Netflix has faded off the map, off the radar to the point where, yeah, I think most of us still have Netflix, but we're at the point where we're kind of wondering why. Um, Peacock and Paramount Plus exist mainly as repositories for NBC Universal and. CBS, Viacom, CBS, respectively. Uh, Apple TV Plus, while some of the shows are great and get a lot of buzz, it has a very small library compared to the others. And Hulu is going to collapse because Mommy, NBC Universal, and Daddy Disney. Both have their own streaming services. (laughs) So NBC is focusing on Peacock and we are going to eventually see a world where Disney plus has adult content on it. That's not Star Wars or the Simpsons.
0: No joint custody for them. No. So Uh, uh, maybe you're kind of painting of like at some point it's going to be HBO versus Disney plus or it's already headed in that direction
2: i think so hbo is still what we're talking about um, white lotus is what i'm hearing people talk about um
0: euphoria Barry
2: is another one euphoria exactly mm-hmm. and yeah. hbo is doing a good deal on the kids front where they have sesame street and other shows. Geared mm-hmm. towards kids. So it's not just. Mm-hmm. Oh I'm going to go watch some. Violent TV show. Then I'm going to watch. Some esoteric movie. From the Criterion Collection. You have mm-hmm. something for the kids. Um, I Disney Plus. I'm not sure where they are. At this point. Because I don't think. They're quite ready to fold Hulu. Into that. But I think HBO Max is where it's at right now, especially since they're putting Discovery Plus as part mm-hmm. of it. And that's where all the reality is.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And they mm-hmm. were concerned that HBO Max was too male-dominated.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, well, I can't speak to that. I don't know about that. No.
2: Because the film buffs and...
0: Right. Plenty of... Yeah, I think that's kind of a... a stereotype, of who, but... Yeah. They're,
2: it was yeah. whatever their research was right, I showing. Know.
0: I, yeah.
2: And Sopranos is mm-hmm. more of a male show.
0: Uh, yeah. Well, that 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 I would definitely agree with.
2: <laughs> um, even Barry. While I love Barry, it's not a show where I would recommend to. I, I don't have girlfriends like that, but you know what I'm
0: saying. <laughs> uh, that is it's.
2: It's like, oh yeah, we're gonna like, talk about it over some fruity cocktails. Mm-hmm. I mean, Spe- like, S-
0: speaking of which, um, just to sh- talk about like sort of the staying power of shows that are off the air or on and off the air. When I was watching the pregame for football, they had a parody of Sex in the City called Sax in the Cities, where it was a bunch <laughs> of different women who represented cities in the NFC East. Uh, division (laughs) interesting oh
2: i would have thought it would have just been a bunch of sacking of the quarterback
0: well yeah uh
2: they made a great pun and then completely blew the joke
1: they they could have done better i i will say of hbo's uh i mean we've i feel like we've been giving a lot of praise and i and i i want to take a step back there (laughs) um because if, if we are to uh admit and kind of going to the kind of the gender dynamics of Mm -hmm. hbo like it has long been said and i think very fairly that hbo has uh catered to the heterosexual male gaze to a fault many many times um
2: with the exception of sex in the city and i was gonna
1: say that is probably the one of the few exceptions and
2: i would argue also sex lives of the of college girls which is like sex in the city just 10 years younger
0: no. right i want to mention that our, our fearless leader bill bodkin has seen every episode of sex in the city yes it's a badge of honor he wears yeah but
1: no i i think you know, in, in terms i'm of just like,
2: gonna leave that there because <laughs>
1: yeah. no comment yeah yeah no i i don't know if you know once again I I, want to portray like HBO as like uh, a hero or a villain or an anti-hero per se, Um, but they've definitely moved the content forward in terms of like what is showed. Um, Although I would, oh, sorry, Allison, go ahead. I
2: think the reason why it may come off as we're being overly um, praising HBO is because well, Aaron and I both studied media and the, were acknowledging that it was groundbreaking and it's pushing what is possible on TV and streaming forward rather than the fact like, oh, each show is great or not. Because if we go digging, we can find the HBO show that lasted five episodes. I am sure there are HBO shows that did, oh, our list. Which only lasted because Robert Wall was friends with the head of HBO.
0: Hmm.
2: <laughs> so there How's... are sh- shows there where it's, like, what were they thinking?
1: Yeah, yeah. Not not everything is a home run, but I yeah. I will say that, and and this goes back to like I talk about streaming wars every single month. So I'm kind of <laughs> this
0: is blame Alex.
1: Well, I'm I'm kind of well versed the, the idea that. I think HBO is still the place to go. I think HBO max has been Mm -hmm. a little bit less successful, if not in some ways disastrous. And that's not because of HBO that's because of, you know, Mm -hmm. the other people involved when it comes to the, the Warner brothers, AT Mm and T discovery, you know, sharing, you know, passing of hands and just Mm -hmm. kind of, blowing things up mm-hmm. uh, seemingly at random at times right
2: yeah I, mean, I don't think that merger with discovery was a great idea
1: no on but, any level no but I don't just for like I I even though it's called HBO max I don't view HBO max's failures as a reflection of HBO as much as I view it as the other corporate um kind of strings being pulled I think HBO content on hbo max is still one of the biggest draws and shows that hbo itself is still very strong even if the people making decisions about its streaming seem like they're just kind of like rolling the dice and seeing what happens Mm -hmm. that's the oh
0: go ahead (laughs)
2: you also have to take a look at the movies that hbo streams and they tend to be higher quality and better received movies than you will find on the other streaming channels Like Mm. I mentioned, the Criterion Collection only streams on HBO. Mm
0: -hmm. And I can can attest to that. As somebody who likes classic movies, them having that Turner Classic Movies uh, library means a lot to me. Mm.
1: And I will say, as someone who likes superhero content, I've really enjoyed all of the, the DC content. I've been watching Young Justice recently and have been really enjoying it. So...
0: You can't say that you haven't watched Aquaman. Okay.
1: But I'll get to that eventually.
0: But mm-hmm. they also
1: have Studio Ghibli, which I also am very fond of. So Right.
0: Kind of stole and, that under Disney's nose, too, because Disney had done so many of the localizations.
1: Yeah. But, I mean, with that, I know. the HBO, HBO Max line is, is always kind of blurry mm-hmm. for me, um, especially when it comes to, like, award season. When it comes to viewers, just because I think there are so many people who view hbo content through hbo max now um but i i think in terms of the quality of content i i still give hbo the you know the gold star even if i like mm-hmm. uh i don't know bill alex and i have been like predicting for like the last two years that hbo max was going to like rival netflix and we've finally had to admit maybe we were wrong
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah how so uh just with like the number of streamers like the number of people coming in like it has not gotten nearly as high as as some of the others like i I think it's been well outpaced by hulu
0: and disney plus i mean yeah you're never going to compete with people who have marvel and star wars it's just yeah yeah
2: and then disney plus is where everyone goes for their kids yeah because you're going to want the disney movies the Thing that Disney Plus has that no one else will ever have is the entire Disney animated library.
1: Yes. Yeah. So Since...
2: HBO can't compete with that. Mm-hmm.
1: No, I mean they really just got to let it go. You know. Just uh, I'm sorry, I had right. to say that. Right, uh, actually, but... I'm not sorry.
0: But yeah, I mean. I feel like as much as I praise HBO, I'm not the best about checking up on new HBO shows. I probably should have watched Succession at this point. Um, Josh got me The Wire years ago, and I never i watched a couple episodes. And I was it was like at the beginning of the pandemic, so I was just in kind of a weird place. So maybe I just wasn't feeling it. I I should I'll go back and
2: I didn't feel Succession. I watched half of one episode. I'm just like.
1: Former TV editor, Matt Taylor is fuming right now.
0: Yeah, I know. He's like, succession is his only for life. Uh, Matt, if you're listening, we love you and we're sorry. um, but, uh, But yeah, I mean, some other shows, even if they are the most talked about, like, Josh, I think you and I are both pretty mixed on House of the Dragon. We both finished the season and... I mean, what can we say? Like, it looks gorgeous. The acting is great. The, you know, you know, all the effects are good. But just like the story, I don't know, just feels like we've been here before and it's not doing anything different.
2: I think HBO needs to let the Game of Thrones thing die. Because Uh. they're adding onto it. And ever since the last what was it the sixth season of game of thrones yeah everyone just keeps being like yeah it exists mm-hmm. i'm watching it but i don't like it
0: yeah um
1: well i i will say that's i don't know if it's entirely true for house of dragon because for a while if not the entirety of the season it was actually gaining viewers each mm-hmm. week which is unheard of for
0: i the mean show was a surprise considering i would have like The things that you see in the in the premiere and finale, I'm like surprised people just didn't like throw up on the floor and just turn it off.
1: Oh, I mean, it got great numbers, but I think none of us need to see another violent birth ever
0: again. So gross. I felt like I'm like somebody in the 70s watching The Exorcist for the first time. Yeah,
1: no, I I think I I, I was giving a recommendation of the show to someone who likes game of thrones i'm like yeah like if you like game of thrones you'll probably like it but you might want to fast forward through all the birthing scenes because they are pretty horrific uh, yeah so i don't know it's uh no I, I, that being said i know some people really like the show i think um bill had it in his top 10 for the year um i don't think it quite made the top three for him but it was up there um and and it did gain a lot of buzz and popularity. So I don't know. I think Mm -hmm. Allison, I'm with you. I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm good Mm -hmm. with game of Thrones. Uh, And that's, and I'm someone who's watched all eight seasons,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, but I'm like, yeah, you can let it go. But I, I guess not everyone's Mm -hmm. (laughs) on board with that. For some Mm -hmm. reason.
0: I also just find it funny that like when the Sopranos came out, it was like one of the first 16 by nine TV shows. And like now, like so many tv shows it's like that's not wide enough we have to go wider mm. <laughs> it needs to be two by one it needs to be scope it needs to be you know as wide as possible it could be i don't know i just find that what funny. are
2: you watching that that's the case
0: yeah like no most shows actually nowadays are like two by one aspect ratio they've actually gone wider mm.
2: i don't know i haven't noticed that
1: yeah you're just saying numbers right now i don't follow but that's okay i i do know from a more technical standpoint that hbo sometimes gets criticized for making things too dark
0: yeah that there was an yeah, episode was... of like uh house of dragon they i think yeah. i know which episode they were talking about where it's just like night the whole time it's like i can't see this yes and everyone's inv-
2: like it's your tv
0: right
1: infamously in one of the the last episodes of game of thrones also you don't have that 4k complaints.
0: hdr that's not gonna be good <laughs>
1: but and once again, that's where i think it's they're getting kind of caught up in the trying to make things film grade but i mean you also have to be cognizant of like okay people are watching this on their tvs you've got people watching or it on phone. or yeah, exactly you got people watching it on cell phones you got people watching it on you know Big, you know, 65, 75-inch TVs, also, like, smaller and smaller. Like, you you have to be aware of that. And who, do they have their backlight on? Like, do, have they, like, adjusted their TV to have, like, the appropriate settings? And, you know, obviously, this is a, a film. Like, okay, well, we're, you know, showing this in theaters. We can, you know, make sure that it's going to be displayed correctly.
0: Also, but... most – I don't know about you. I don't watch – tv usually with the lights off so there might be a little bit of a glare (laughs) yeah but
2: what also didn't help hbo is that all of those scenes that people were complaining about being too dark were shot in the daytime
0: oh wow so they um
2: purposely did that
0: no. I'm trying to think. They, I, I think they stopped up. If I'm using the right, I I, I should know this as somebody who graduated with a, a TV film. <laughs> I have not been the the most. No,
2: they put a thing on. Oh, they put post- a filter production. on.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, okay.
2: So it's They, not oh,
0: they even shot. Like... They shot day for night. Okay. Yes. Yeah. But,
1: I I mean that that all being said, I think from a technical standpoint, HBO is still known for bringing very high quality um, work once again, like kind of film quality. I think one of the few other places you might see that is like, arguably like FX.
0: Um, I was going to say FX is if I was going to make a show personally, if it wasn't HBO, I would go to FX. Netflix is a like, obviously they have shows that are doing really well right now. Josh has talked about how he watched Wednesday, the new Adams family show. But so many of their shows just get canceled right out of the, you know, like they don't even get a second season or they don't get no. a third season. And I mean, because they really play the numbers game. And if you don't get those numbers, they're not going to, you know, give you a chance. No.
1: But yeah, I mean, and, and that being said, I appreciate that HBO is taking chances because and and they don't always follow through with them. Like I know um something that aaron and i are familiar with the last of us video games they're gonna make a a show about that um Mm -hmm. i'm glad you brought that up which i think is a i mean a bit of a a risk because it's like okay people love this game do we need a show Mm -hmm. um but then they also took risks with like the the watchmen uh miniseries a few years ago Mm -hmm. so like
0: right and and that didn't actually do all that well in terms of viewership but you know almost universally praised by you know the viewers so no
1: anyone except alan moore
0: yeah except alan moore you put like a hex on you for watching it yeah Yeah. what
1: is is there anything that's like recently been on hbo that we haven't really talked about yet allison that you've been like really impressed by or that's really caught your attention
2: i mentioned barry but i don't know if either one of you have watched it
0: I haven't watched it but I've heard people you know say that they like it um and yeah. I I'm hey I'm I'm just happy that like Henry Henry Winkler finally got an Emmy. Mm.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. I I
1: will say I as someone who's heard a lot of praise for Barry but not very familiar with it like what would you say Allison's like the like the appeal like if if you had to like say like why I should watch it like is there like What's the the elevator pitch?
2: The premise, it's a serial killer who decides he wants to take up acting in L.A., Mm. Mm. which obviously serial killer, people shouldn't know who he is, but he wants to be an actor, which obviously people need to know who you are if you want to be successful. Mm. And his handler is not too thrilled with that
1: okay interesting so that that does fit with what i've heard is that like it it very much blurs the line between like drama and comedy i would
2: say it leans heavier into drama the comedy is more this is an absurd premise Hmm.
1: (laughs) yeah but and that's the thing and we we talked about this once again on the tv break podcast It was, I think, nominated in the comedy category at the Emmys. And that's where HBO and a lot of other places, but a lot of of HBO content, like it's living in this weird gray area. Like these Succession is another one like it's supposed to be hilarious, but it's also a family drama. Um, So I think. I don't know. I think
2: it depends on which where on the scale it hits for people because this succession I didn't find funny mm-hmm. very is very violent so that takes some of the humor away from it since mm-hmm. was it Quentin Tarantino or someone said like a realistic amount of blood horrifying a geyser of blood hilarious
0: it sounds like something he would say because it's something he's put in his movies (laughs) it it does sound yeah like um and
2: it's realistic where it's like oh that's not funny
1: yeah but and once again kind of like going back to like the george carlin special i think in, in some ways hbo has stuck with strong comedy uh, presence but like it continues to subvert a lot of what we expect with comedy like these aren't sitcoms like barry is not a sitcom you're not you know succession is a is a family drama um one of the you know other incredibly popular uh comedies hacks you know it's Ooh, you know yes i forgot barry, about Hacks. um you know once again these these are kind of not what you would maybe stereotypically think it's not a sitcom it's not a rom-com um you know there's a a layer to it and and that's what hbo is bringing more so than you know network television um yes these
2: are not shows that i would imagine on peacock or paramount plus any of those that are strongly tied to a traditional network because they have more layers to them Mm -hmm where if you go over to peacock and watch girls five ever that show aside from a little bit of swearing could easily be on nbc's primetime schedule Mm
1: -hmm. yeah so yeah there's a yeah there's another layer that hbo has kept with its comedies and i mean thinking back to more recent ones like the i think once again fx has some of that like there was um i think last year uh Kevin can F himself was one of their um kind of like pseudo sitcom that was that we talked about on the TV break yes. um but other than that like that idea of like playing with the comedy genre like that is something that you get especially with premium tv but hbo has really made it their bread and butter it's like that and then <laughs> i guess you know the violent dramas of you know, Westworld of, of House of Dragon, um, you know, those kind of, um, you know, as you mentioned earlier, like it's going to be lots of blood and it's going to be TNA and it's going to be language. And that's what's bringing people in.
2: Yes, exactly.
1: So, um, and I'm curious for you, like, I know you talked about like you, see a lot of like turner classic movies on hbo max Mm -hmm. um is there anything from hbo proper that's coming out or that you've been interested in that we haven't talked about yet we haven't talked about Uh, yeah i feel like we've talked about a lot but i wasn't sure if there's anything like
0: i think i mentioned shows like succession i'm sort of interested in um i don't know i i'm just We talk about TV and I've mentioned before, I'm just more of a movie person. So like I can only devote myself to so much TV um, at a time. uh, But well, it's a good thing. We're not talking about television. I know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, if we don't make the joke at least three times, I think uh, Bill is going to be very disappointed in us. Uh,
2: So what are we at, two?
1: We're at two. Yeah. So don't worry. I've, I've got one saved up. Mm-hmm. okay um but i don't know aaron like do you think that you know hbo has like been this monolith or it's like become this monolith? do you think it's gonna stay that way
0: for the next 50 years do you think it can like stay Ooh, up with the okay because i was to say if you guys if you ask me if it's gonna stay like that forever it's like well nothing lasts forever you know the ocean will swallow up you know us all and you know the next like, like doing s-
2: the Maldives, yeah,
0: yeah <laughs> yeah but um as far as uh the next 50 years i want to say that it's at least in a good spot for the next 20 i i feel like um warner brothers discovery is going through some growing pains right now and it might be like the aol time warner merger where it doesn't work out or like the a T time warner merger that doesn't work out <laughs> <laughs> but um I, I think that HBO itself as a brand is in a good spot and I think will continue to win a lot of awards. will continue to draw a lot of eyeballs. Um, so I think they should be very happy with where they are um, as a company.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah.
1: Also, what do, you think? do you think HBO still has a bright future?
2: I think so. It's, definitely one of those streaming services that at least now unless Discovery really screws something up is going to survive Mm -hmm. there are some streaming services that are in a much more precarious position and i will put netflix in that category because netflix doesn't have a library of content that it owns hmm. so even though peacock or cbs i'm sorry Paramount plus used to be <laughs> cbs all access <laughs> are not to the level of hbo max they have a library of content to draw on And you subscribe to different streaming services for different things. If I'm watching HBO, I am expecting high-quality programming or movies. They do have some of those sitcoms we grew up with, like Full House and The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. But if I'm going over to CBS on Paramount+, Plus or... NBC on Peacock, I am expecting more of your traditional sitcom. Mm -hmm. I cut the cord. So seeing that division for me is fine. When I had cable and traditional TV, I didn't see a point in subscribing to Peacock or Paramount Plus. Whereas now it is the bit of I don't know what the phrase I'm looking for is but it gives me the connection to traditional TV that Mm. I was missing I don't know if that's because I was a television major in undergrad and I teach TV now or if it's something that other people also miss.
1: No, mm. yeah. no, that's that's fair, and and I think, kind of picking up from there, like in terms of like my own thoughts, like as someone who also cut the the cable, cut the cord, um, I think HBO is in a good position to do well in the next fifty years, with a big asterisk of if they can figure out what they're doing with their streaming, if they can figure out what they're doing with HBO max plus uh, discovery, plus whatever rumored to be called max, but who knows what it's going to be called at this point. Um, I don't know why they don't go
2: with HBO discovery max.
1: You know, that would be simplest, but uh, as always, the simplest options are never the ones people choose. I, I think if they can figure out their streaming service, that they'll be in a good position. If they don't, they could be in a lot of trouble um because i i don't think the the way hbo has been running for the last 50 years is going to be sustainable in a streaming environment that we have now so they they have to figure it out or they're not going
0: to keep up um you got to swim with the stream not against it exactly right. and they <laughs> right
2: now are uh, it's discovery which was mostly reality and documentary stuff that bought something that I don't think it knows what to do with, and they got a- rid of a lot of HBO Max executives.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, That's- so they sent them to the wall, as you know, Game of <laughs> Yes,
1: but no, I mean, I-, I think HBO has become a monolith, it's become a staple, and I think it can stay there if it continues to evolve with the times. And as we talk about, like, it's done that, you know, over the years, it's it's evolved from being, you know, as Allison, you mentioned, like, to, like starting off as like, okay, we're gonna show you two movies and we're gonna just tell you about those and you just have to wait till they're on to now it's got, you know, several offshoot channels, um, its own streaming service and, you know, this kind of big uh, name recognition that, you know, you you gotta evolve with the times, or you know you're gonna go the way of Peacock, not not the well. I don't I don't think Peacock's gonna last. Maybe that's another bad joke. Never mind, we'll throw that out there.
2: I think it will simply because it's the home of NBC Universal's content. Fair. What we're seeing right now is a lot of content is on other streaming services rather than the people who made them and currently own them because of prior contracts that span several mm-hmm. years. Like what happened with friends on Netflix and the office at, and Peacock, things that Netflix had are now being pulled away from it because the original owners want them for their streaming services. Mm-hmm. So if you're an office fan, you need Peacock. Unless you have all the DVDs, and NBC Universal has a strong library, once it gets it back to its home, it will be fine. The problem is that a lot of it, it shares with Hulu because of the contract of Hulu was originally a conglomeration of all the major
1: networks. Hmm. Okay, yeah, that's a, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna rescind my. <laughs> My my fortune telling demise of Peacock, and I'm going to say HBO needs to evolve, or it's going to go the way of Quibi. Like that. There you a go. More solid reference.
2: Yes, or the Roku channel. I don't think is going to last unless it manages to pull more things like the Weird Al movie mm-hmm. out of its hat.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, but I not Aaron. Any closing thoughts on HBO? I wasn't sure if there's anything else you want us to. Cover? Uh it's not TV, it's HBO. Yeah, there <laughs> we go. Three times. <laughs> okay. We filled our quota. He said the thing. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's not a podcast on TV. It's a podcast on HBO.
1: Ah, there you go. <laughs> but okay. So I think Aaron, I'm I'm good to wrap up there if, if yeah. you and Alison are.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay.
1: Well, in that case, uh, Aaron, I guess I'll throw it back to you. I don't want to steal the, the host microphone from you.
0: Oh, yeah, no, that's fine. Uh, yeah, uh, so if you want to see anything that I, I've done recently, I wrote a review for the movie Devotion. Um, it's up on the site. Um might still be in theaters. I don't know. It didn't make a lot of money, but I would still recommend you read my review if you're interested in the movie. Um I'm currently still on Twitter. I know I was just talking to Josh about his current Twitter status. I mostly just talk about movies that I've watched recently. I mentioned that I watched pride of the Yankees uh, last night and it's actually a really good movie. It's very like um, uh, touching tribute to Lou Gehrig. Mm -hmm. um, Even as somebody who's not super familiar with him and like Gary Cooper I mean, I can see why he'd be Tony Soprano's favorite actor. I mean, he's he's a pretty good actor. Uh, but yeah, um, if you just want to follow me at Aaron Sarnacki, if I didn't plug that already. Okay.
1: Very cool. Very cool. And Allison, do you have anything um, that you're working on the site? Or do you have anywhere online that people can follow your work at?
2: I do. I don't update them very often, so I'm not really going to mention them. Fair enough. Um, Right now, I'm just trying to grade papers because the semester is ending. Mm -hmm. So I'm in school mode. Fair. Well, college adjunct professor mode.
1: Mm. Well, and thank you so much for taking time out of your grading to, to join us for this podcast.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, no, appreciate it. Yeah, and best of luck getting all of that done. Uh, hopefully, you're you're near the the end of the tunnel, almost there to the end of the semester.
2: I kept up with it, so I only have the final assignment to grade.
1: Okay. There you go. Good, good strategy. Yes. Okay. And as you're uh, finishing that up, people uh, can also not find me on. Uh, social media because I've kind of given up on Twitter at this point. Um, but if people want to hear me uh talk more about HBO Max and other streaming services, they can go to the um TV break podcast that, as I mentioned, I am on every month with Bill and Alex. Um this month we did our end of year podcast where we talked about our favorite shows of the year as well as our streamer of the year and our news story of the year. Um I will just let you know right now we did not pick and none of us picked HBO Max as our streamer of the year. <laughs> um, so if you want to find out what we did pick, um, head on over and take a listen to that. It's a it's a fun podcast and we um, you know hope you enjoy it. So other than that, yeah, um, I just want to thank you both again for um, being here. And, you know, thank you for sticking another year here with me and, and not, you know, throwing me overboard. Appreciate it, um, and and Allison, once again, thank you so much for you know sharing your wealth of knowledge with us. Really appreciate it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank
1: you. Yeah, and everyone, thank you for listening to this and for you know once again sticking with us for another year. We hope you'll be back in January for our next uh, TV and film podcast. So make sure to keep an eye on your feed for that. And until next time, remember, it's not TV, it's HBO. <laughs>